Good morning, Willoughby Christian Reform Church. It's great to be here. I just, uh, there, I'm back. It's good to be with you this morning on what feels like, a, like an annual visit from me to you. And uh, I'll say a little bit more about what's been going on in the campus ministry just before the offering. Uh, this morning I'm here to open God's Word, and I'm always happy to come to Willoughby, and I was, I was especially pleased to be invited when I heard that, that you're doing a summer series on the Psalms, because I just love the Psalms. And what I'd like to do this morning is lead us into Psalm 111. And we're going to read it responsively. I don't know if that's, a, if that's something you're accustomed to. I grew up Presbyterian, and we read a Psalm responsively every Sunday. So we're going to do it old school today. I'll be the leader, and you respond appropriately. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. Giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. Established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading and to the proclamation of his word. So Psalm 111 we read, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. If you have a, a Bible that you brought from home, maybe you were reading a different translation, it might say, all my heart instead of my whole heart. But the meaning is the same. Folks in Bible times thought that the heart was the, it was the center of the person. So while we today might say something like undivided attention for whole heart, it means the same. Attention, please. God at the center. And our focus is on Him. Our heart is not divided. It's wholly focused on Him. Unlike our tablets and our smartphones where we, we kind of flick, flick, flick. Barrage of sounds and sights. In Psalm 111, we have this long, steady focus on God. We have an undivided heart. An undivided heart sounds pretty good, doesn't it? We like the sound of that. Maybe, maybe some of you are cynical and you're thinking it sounds too good, as if this undivided attention on God is just wishful thinking, because let's face it, it's, it's really hard to focus on God. It's hard to concentrate on prayer, on scripture, on worship, 
maybe even on my sermon. I hope not. It's hard to give our undivided attention, our whole heart, to anything important these days. I think in my line of work, the the pandemic has made that very clear that people's attention spans have been shattered. In fact, there was a bit of a symposium at UBC where I work. Um, Professors just concerned, deeply concerned, with the fact that they feel like their students' attention is wandering constantly. They can't focus on their lectures. Going online, onto online classes, has been a, a huge distraction. There's just so many other things you can do when you're on your computer. One professor I know, is a friend, was, was telling me that uh, he was lecturing this past term, and uh, he started to, get, started to get worked up a little bit in his lecture, so he began to wander the classroom. Um, and all the students, of course, had their laptops out, and they're clicking away. He's thinking that they're taking notes down. And as he wanders around the classroom, he comes up from behind them, and he sees their screens. And he said about half of them were playing video games. Students have admitted to me the same, that they really struggle. They're distracted. Their heart's divided. A friend who's a pastor in Kelowna was was bragging to me about a year and a half ago about all the YouTube views that his church has. Um, And then he said uh, he was thinking, he was feeling Cutting in and out a little bit here. It's not my fault, though, is it? Okay. He was feeling really good about this. Um, and then, he, then he, got, he went on YouTube, and you can actually see the metrics of minute-to-minute uh, attention. And he says this, about two or three minutes after his sermon started, the viewership dropped precipitously, right? There went his boasting. That won't happen today, though, with the people watching at home, no. Giving our undivided attention to something important is a problem we have in our society. Why is it so hard for us? Technology is just making worse a problem that's as deep and as old as humankind. And we have to kind of probe a little bit into the mystery of the human heart to get at the root of this problem. Why is, our, why is our heart divided? Why don't we have a whole heart, a focused attention on God, on these important things? Now, one, one person who's done some of this diagnosis, this diagnostical work for us, is this old philosopher named Blaise Pascal. Now, I work on a university campus. I'm allowed to quote one philosopher in every sermon, okay? This is the only one, but it's a good one. Bring up the next slide. Pascal says this, writing in the 17th century, I've often said that the sole cause of all our unhappiness is that we don't know how to sit quietly in our rooms. You didn't see that one coming, did you, when I said a philosopher? The sole cause of all our unhappiness is that we don't know how to sit quietly in our rooms. What does he mean? Well, think, think back to when you were a child and you acted up and your parents made you sit in the corner of the room by yourself or sent you to your room by yourself. I'm sure it didn't happen to some of you, but to some of us it did. 
regularly. We were on a timeout, right? And you're alone in your room without any distractions, toys, nowadays screens. We're alone. Alone with what? Our, our conscience. See, what Pascal is saying is that deep down, we want to be distracted. We don't want to sit quietly in our room. As soon as we have a moment free, we will stuff another distraction into the empty space, whether it's turning on the screen, fiddling with our phone. Because if we stop and sit quietly in our room, we begin to hear our conscience. We begin to feel this great gaping hole in the center of our hearts, a hole that is so big that only God can fill it. And this is our dilemma as sinners. We want to be happy, and the only thing that will make us happy is God. But from Him, we run, run, run into a thousand distractions. See, we want to be distracted. We try our best to divide our hearts from what really matters, God, and the fact that we're mortal and our days are numbered. If you don't believe me, try an experiment this afternoon at home. Sit yourself in the corner of the room with nothing around you. How long are you going to last before you get distracted, before you reach for that phone? If you're like me, you won't last very long at all. Into this God-shaped hole in our hearts, we stuff all sorts of distractions. I don't want to hide myself in distractions. I want what the psalmist has, this undivided heart. I want to give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I want wholeness. But oh, I also want to be distracted too. We are divided. And our society does diversion really well, doesn't it? We do distraction really well. I mean, Pascal has worked up about this in the 17th century, but really, what, what were people distracting themselves with back then? Gin rummy and riding horses? I mean, we've got a million distractions right now. Everything is screaming for our attention. Our culture is overstimulated, frantically busy, busy, and we parents, we've got as many toys as our kids do now. I was reading in, in the British paper, The Spectator, a couple of years ago, there was a survey done of children, and it asked them, this is a dangerous question, what is one thing you would change about your parents? And the overwhelming answer from children was, we wish our parents would spend more time with us and less time on their phones. Isn't that this is damning, isn't it? Our kids know how to use screens before they can even walk sometimes. We're rewiring our brains. How can we be attentive to God and have this undivided heart when we're so distracted by pixels or pastimes? What do we do about it? Who can help us? Big questions, two big questions for a little Sunday sermon. 
But we need to begin somewhere. And I think beginning in the Psalms is actually a wonderful place to kind of recalibrate our minds so that we can cultivate this undivided heart. Which is why I think it's just wonderful that you're doing a summer series on, on the Psalms. A couple years ago at UBC, there was a, a speaker came to campus from Harvard, a guy named Cornell West. He's a great speaker. And uh, he, he throws out these one-liners, like he's dropping bombs on the audience. This is what he says to students in the talk. He says, let your phones be smart. You be wise. And I say, amen to that. Let our phones be smart. We seek wisdom. And wisdom, as we read, begins with the fear of the Lord, as it says in Psalm 111. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. So when we look at Psalm 111, I think when we seek wisdom in this psalm, what it's doing is it's it's reshaping us. It's, it's calling our attention to the practices that we need to do to cultivate and form this undivided, wholehearted attention to God. I think it does this in wonderful ways. First off, I think Psalm 111 helps us refocus our hearts and our minds by pointing us to God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. Look here on the screen. Praise the Lord, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. In the company of the upright, in the congregation, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. So what we're hearing in this psalm, in these verses, is a call to get away from our screens, our gadgets, even our houses, and to get out into this great, big, amazing world that God has made into creation. As, as Ron prayed earlier, to see mountains and flowers and stars. You might have seen this picture that went viral a couple of, probably about 10 years ago, uh, a guy in California on a sailboat, um, busy on his phone while a humpback whale comes up right beside his boat. He doesn't even see it. Great are the works of the Lord, but do we even notice them? A month ago, my wife and I were doing a hike around Lightning Lake in, in Manning Park, and a family walked past us, and there were a couple of teenagers along for the walk, they were, uh, I think, unwilling participants in this family activity. And they had earbuds in, so they're listening to music. You know, fine, you've got to make your teenagers happy. But there was a loon on the lake calling, though, loud, sent a shiver down our spine. Are we listening, though? Do we hear it? Great are the works of the Lord, but are we too distracted to see them? Bringing God's creation into focus can help us develop this whole heart for God because his creation leads us to the creator. And we want to be careful about this as we're thinking it out because in, in beautiful BC, 
We do like the outdoors, but sometimes we tend to think of the outdoors, well, kind of in one of two ways. We, we either use it for its natural resources, or we use it as a kind of playground for our pastimes. And of course, there's nothing wrong with logging or dirt biking or downhill skiing. Those are all good things, but we want to be careful that we think about God's world, creation, not just as something we use to give us two-by-fours or to give us a four-by-four adrenaline rush. Creation, first and foremost, is not something we consume. It's something we contemplate. The word used in Psalm 111 is study, to study this theater of God's glory because it's where God encounters us in his handiwork. Look at this quote, this excerpt from one of our confessions of faith in the Christian Reformed Church from the Belgic Confession. It says, since the universe is before us like a beautiful book in which all creatures, great and small, are as letters to make us ponder the invisible things of God. You ever thought of creation as a book? Something we, we study? Close, careful attention. Close, careful attention to the great and small things of creation. Help us refocus on the creator and cultivate this undivided heart. It can be as small as noticing the grain of wood or the smell of, of roasting coffee beans, the ripple of waves on Cultus Lake or, or Okanagan Lake, the cry of a bird, or, or this image here. My wife took this picture in the winter. Um, she's an equine therapist, and she has a couple of horses, and these big snowflakes fell onto her horse's mane, and she just sort of stopped and gazed at them for a couple of minutes. Perfect. The majesty of God in something so small. All these things point us to the glory of God who made this world great and small, loving it deeply, caring for all creatures. And the wonderful thing about, about seeking this God-filled, undivided heart is that creation around us then isn't a distraction it actually leads us, leads us to God and helps us focus on him more wholeheartedly. So I think a second way that Psalm 111 focuses on our hearts and minds is by bringing our attention to God the Redeemer, God the Son, the savior of the world. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He's ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. See, here, here the psalmist refuses to let us get distracted from the most important thing in the world, which is that God has saved us and he has saved you for a purpose. The wonderful deeds of which the psalmist is speaking is what God did to save his people Israel, bringing them out of Egypt, out of slavery, feeding them meat 
and manna in the desert, in the Sinai desert, and leading them into the promised land, giving them the heritage of the nations. These are the verses, they make clear what really matters in life, that God saves us, and he calls us together as a people for a purpose, to bear his name. Studies are showing right now, sociological studies, that from Gen Z to retirees, there, there's a, a kind of ghost of meaninglessness that is haunting us. It cuts across all generations and demographics in Western society right now. We don't know why we're here. We feel that life lacks purpose. In the Bible times, they, they knew about this feeling. If you can bring up the next slide, the Apostle Paul even in Corinthians is already writing about it. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. For, for Paul, this is, this is a summation, a summary of, of pagan, secular thinking. Like death stands before you. It's going to happen. The curtain will drop. So don't think about it. Distract yourself with as many amusements as possible. Eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. I, I feel like this could be the city motto for the city I live in, for Kelowna. If you've, if you've come through it, it's, it's tr constantly trying to attract retirees with this promise of this wonderful life. Play, eat, enjoy the wine, do all these good things. Don't think about what's coming. For those who cleave to the gospel, who've been claimed by Jesus Christ, we can enjoy these good things, but not be distracted by them, because we know that death has been swallowed up in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've been set free for lives of purpose. So I dare you, when you're trying this experiment at home of sitting by yourself, all alone, not getting distracted by your phone. Let yourself be bored. Don't flinch, because that feeling of boredom is a reminder in your heart that you were made for a purpose. It's okay to be bored. Let it come. It's a reminder from God that we're made for a purpose. We who are baptized bear the name of Christ, the crucified, resurrected one. And he's given us his name, Christian, for his purpose to tell the world in word and deed that in the living God there is life and life in abundance. The last thing I want to say about Psalm 111, I think it helps us cultivate this wholehearted attention to God, this undivided heart, by making us focus on God the Spirit, who is the giver of life in a dying world. And these final verses from the psalm I want to draw your attention to are verses 7 and 8. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They're established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. These verses are talking about God's law. The word used here is precepts, God's law, which are the rules for the people of Israel. Now, 
If you were raised in a Reformed church like I was, and you hear the word law, sometimes you, you kind of involuntarily shudder, right? Because the law was sometimes used in a kind of heavy-handed way on us. But really what the law is doing in the Old Testament is to create a people who look like God. God is faithful and just, so he gives his people laws that are faithful and just to make them, us, faithful and just. That's what the Spirit is doing in us, making us more like Jesus Christ. We're surrounded by a world that is not faithful and just. It's rife with injustice, with faithlessness, and with a lack of purpose. These are our neighbors. These are our friends. These are our family. Do we see them, though? Or are we distracted from seeing them? Paying attention to the law of God actually helps bring these people into focus. We have to realize the effect that technology is having on how we see the world. And I'm not going on a rant here about social media or anything like that. Well, maybe a little bit of a rant. Um, but platforms like Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, they, they feed our tendency to only show others what is beautiful and perfect and shiny about our lives. And when we absorb a lot of it, we begin to see the world this way. We don't see the shadows, the dark side, the hurts and the brokenness. We're being retrained in our minds to only see what's shiny and sparkly about our lives, about others' lives, and to project that onto them as well. This is a dangerous trajectory in our society. I wasn't surprised last year when, when the CBC did a, a poll of, um, of university students in Canada, I guess this was two years ago, a poll of university students in Canada where it said 70% of students regularly feel so lonely they can barely function. 70%, this is the demographic that I work with, their lives are splattered indiscriminately on social media. Everybody sees them, and yet no one sees them. That's what they feel like. In part because what people see of them is, is an illusion. It's just this beautiful, shiny mirage. A people shaped by God's word, by his law, worked on by the Holy Spirit, will not ignore the broken, the messed up, the crippled, the ugly parts of our world. And it's into these broken, blasted places that God calls his people, his church, to be agents of grace, agents of grace through the power of his spirit. And the people filled with the spirit of Christ, the rejected one, will have our hearts tuned and our eyes opened to see the tears and the scars in our neighborhood. That's why Jesus Christ in the Gospels is able to see all the broken, the poor, the powerless, the sinner, because through the power of the Spirit, his, his heart was holy on God, holy on God. We don't want to be distracted from the Spirit's agenda of making us faithful and just through his word. If we see the world through social media filters, we're not going to see the hungry and the poor and the hurting and the lonely. 
But when we cultivate this wholehearted focus on God, these people come into view as well. So a psalm like 111 and many of the psalms, they're just wonderful ways of cultivating in us this, this undivided heart, this, this focus on God, to see God fully, seeing his glory and his wisdom in creation around us, seeing his purpose in our redeemed lives, in our church, and seeing his world that's in need. Let me finish with one, with one image, maybe as a way of trying to draw together um, these points. A couple years ago, I had a conversation with uh, a student on campus. She was a science student in, in quantum physics, probably the smartest student I've met in my time as a campus pastor, just brilliant. At the time, she was doing an, some advanced studies in astronomy, and she was, she was working on a project at UBC on binary stars, which I don't, didn't know anything about. She had to explain it to me. She was studying particularly um, a binary star in the Andromeda galaxy, two, billion, two million light years away from us. And she was telling me about, telling me about how she studied, and she was so enthusiastic. Um, she said, you, you, t you take these giant telescopes, and they would get the images from somewhere in the States, this giant telescope working through, I think, the Hubble, and it would focus on this single spot in the night sky. She said, you cannot, you cannot waver. You have to be obsessively focused on this single spot, and then you focus in with the telescope, and this comes into view, this whole universe. I thought it was just, for me, it was just a marvelous story, but a marvelous example. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. The amazing thing about a wholehearted focus on God is that this, this telescopic focus doesn't limit what we see. It deepens and broadens and heightens our vision. Everything comes into focus. An undivided heart for God doesn't shrink our heart. It swells it up with love and passion for the glory of God, for our purpose, and for our brothers and our sisters in need. Amen. Great are the works of the Lord. Together, glorious and majestic are his deeds. To him belongs eternal praise. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Willoughby Church Sermon Podcast. The Willoughby Church Podcast Network also has podcasts about discipleship, the Heidelberg Catechism, and even a podcast hosted by some of the youth. You can find out more about the Willoughby Church Podcast Network by going to willoughbychurch.com.